0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Winner, winner, winner. What did I say, chicken dinner? <laughs> the name popping into my head right there was Kobe Flinner. I know it's Flinner. I was thinking Kobe Flinner. That's where my brain is at on this Tuesday morning. So after that awful intro, Kevin Bowe and Chris Presley, we're back Tuesday, late Tuesday morning coming at you. I was at JMV's golf outing yesterday, so unable to record. It'll be Tuesday this week, obviously, and the next Tuesday. But that is due to the Colts playing on Monday night. We'll see if they can string it together. Two in a row would be a pretty big one. Next Monday in Baltimore, Chris Presley. How was the weekend?
1: It was good. I was down uh, in Cincinnati, went to a wedding for my buddy Nick and Alyssa, his beautiful bride. Ironically, he's a huge Notre Dame fan. Mm. She's a Cincinnati fan. Mm. Most of the people that were in the bridal party. We were... can move on
0: if we want to. <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, it was it was a good time.
0: Yeah. I, I uh, in all seriousness, I love Cincinnati. Uh, it's where I have my bachelor party. It's a great city, and I'm a big Reds fan. Uh, but Saturday was ugly. Ryan Bowen came over to watch, and we were none too happy. Didn't make Rosie cry if we're looking for wins, though. So <laughs> that's a win. But, yeah, time to go roll with Drew Pine and see where you can salvage the season. You know, uh, Kelly kind of pisses me off right now, and, you know, we're already off into a tangent. You know, well, our offensive line needs to block better. Well, your offensive line just sucks frankly they're not at the level that you need them to be so what do you do it's in season you adapt and you start the quarterback that can be more mobile like coaches in their stubbornness to be like no that position group needs to be better well they're not getting any better and their talent is not at the level that you're used to so you adjust put in a new quarterback that can move see what you got
1: so you're ready to move on
0: Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah, I'm definitely ready to move on. No, of course I'm not ready to move on. I could talk about this for another hour, but (laughs) we will move on. Colts win 27-17 over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, What I liked first, what I didn't like, uh, not much, but uh, we'll we'll get to that. Let's start just overall thoughts on the game, Chris. Obviously, and you'll see with kind of the tone of Twitter questions we have, there still is kind of a, what did we learn from playing the Miami Dolphins? What you learn is this. The Colts played a bad team on the road, and they won. The Titans played a bad team on the road, and they didn't win. And in the NFL, in a 17-game schedule, when you're in the AFC South, these are the games that you got to take care of, and Mm -hmm. it's better than the alternative. So um, give credit where credit's due, and the Colts desperately needed a victory. They're down a handful of starters, just like Tennessee was in New York, and the Colts got it done and the Titans didn't. Um, You know, we we talked a lot on the Fan Morning Show last week. Any reasonable path to the P word of playoffs, this one had to be in the W column. Uh, this was your easiest yeah. road game, uh, non-division, all year long. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is not good, and to once think that Frank Reich called him a top twenty quarterback in the NFL certainly makes me question Frank Reich's uh, mind at, at times when it comes to the quarterback
1: position there. But um, you have to say that though as a coach, right?
0: Well, no, you don't <laughs> you definitely don't have to say that. You could just say we believe in Jacoby, whatever we think he's a starter, not clarify that he's a top 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 twenty starter uh in the league, but that's you know for a totally different subject there. I don't think Belichick has probably ever called any quarterback of his a top twenty quarterback in the league, but <laughs> that's coach press conferences. um you know, we always on this podcast try to find a play a sequence of plays uh where the game really turned. Mm-hmm. and I thought for me watching the game, and Frank Reich actually confirmed this afterwards, that offsides penalty by Miami late in the first half. It was 3 nothing Miami. Yep. Still, Colts sluggish. Colts have been one of the worst starting teams in the NFL this season. Um, about four minutes ago in the first half, you're punting the ball away at that point. It's not like Miami would have gone down and scored, but Miami could have had a lead at halftime. They go offsides in that fourth and three. And me watching that, I thought to myself, the magnitude of the game is not on this level, but that's Kamoko Terry going offsides against the Bills. That was my thought of, like, that mean, that penalty means this much in a game where neither offense is moving the football. Frank Wright called it kind of backbreaking. You know, the, the, that can break a team's back, and I thought Wright did a really nice job of you know trying to create some chunk plays right after that, knowing that Miami, their defense, coming back on the field, 85 degrees, all that. Boom, boom, you punch in the end zone. And honestly, once you scored seven points, I thought the game was over. Like, like Miami's punter is their best player. You know, it's this is Pat McAfee in 2011. Pat McAfee. I don't know who the punter was in 2017, but uh, th- that's kind of the feeling of um, of what it, what it was to me. So, certainly things you need to clean up. Um, the optimistic view is the schedule isn't as daunting into October, early November. You play a lot of rookie quarterbacks coming up as well. Um, you had to get that victory yeah. flat out. You, you had to get that one. Um, was it two subpar teams trying to see who was less subpar? It, it had feels of that. It also had a couple of things that I think I sit here and say, all right, I didn't see that as much in the first three games. Will that be a trend against better competition? And I think that's the intriguing aspect yeah. to how Sunday's game unfolded as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Colts... Finally showed, especially in the second half or second quarter, what they could do offensively. What do you think about the defense moving forward?
0: Yeah, um, you know, certainly you, you. I don't know how many rosaries you need to pray to play that offense every <laughs> week, but that's not going to happen. So, you know, and I, I guess well, let's go ahead and dive into things that I liked and start with start with the defense because through the first three quarters. We'll throw in the caveat of, again, that offense, that quarterback that you played. But your defense was flat-out dominant. I mean, Mm -hmm. absolutely dominant. Um, The fourth-quarter defense, it it should piss people off. But, you know, let's not focus on that too, too much right here. So Miami had, uh, I got it right here, seven drives in the first three quarters, Chris Presley. Five of them, zero first downs on those seven drives. The opening drive had one first down. Jacoby was
1: always moving.
0: Yeah, always off a spot. Uh, now, some of that is, you know, when he was on a spot, like just the timing was weird, a couple drops, certainly. They did have the four first downs on that third drive. And I thought one of the other big plays of the game, Chris, shout out Kamoko Turi, that mm-hmm. third down sack of Burset took them out of field goal range. And that's another one to circle in your box score. Um, and I tried to tweet about it when it happened. I'm like, this is a huge, huge sequence in a game that I don't think we expected a ton of scoring. Now, the over ended up hitting, but not until really the fourth quarter did it look like it was even realistic. I bet the under. Yeah, well, I, luckily, I, I, I didn't win a lot. I, I lost a lot this weekend, <laughs> but I, I, I did have the over in that game. I don't know why. Don't, don't ask me why. But that 7-yard sack by Ture turns 48-yarder for a very good kicker into 55 yards. Brian Flores punts. And yeah, they penned the Colts deep, but instead of 6-0 at that point of the game, you now got the ball. Miami doesn't have as much momentum. I thought Ture was tremendous, just, I mean, just absolutely owned Liam Eikenberg, the Notre Dame product, uh, for two sacks, (laughs) and then had another couple hurries, or at least I would say one definite hurry um, in addition. And you guys know full well what I think of the importance of number 57. Um there's not many people on this roster. Frankly, that's more important than Kamoko Turi to what this team could be like in January. If they get to January, I guess I should always throw that in there too. But you know, Chris, when you look at the final numbers, two point two yards per rush. Um uh, I would like the pressure been a little bit more consistent. You know, I, I do think Jacoby does a nice job of keeping plays alive, so I know that contributes to some of it. But um really, really solid. Um from that side of the ball, again, the fourth quarter stuff we'll get into, into a little bit later. But uh, major hat tip, like, yes, am I, I'm not saying this is a defensive performance we should all of a sudden expect moving forward because we've seen this out of the Colts before against bad quarterbacks and bad offenses. But still, you dominated that game through three quarters defensively, and you needed that with your offense not really doing anything until, like you said, late late first half, certainly mm-hmm. third quarter as well.
1: What about the big play run game?
0: Huge, 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 huge. Um,
1: I mean, JT just showed up this week.
0: Big time, big time. Um, And, you know, I thought the blocking on those runs were just very, very solid across the board, tight ends included, running backs included. You know, when you look at Taylor's numbers, Chris, um, so he had 16 for 103. You take out the 38-yarder. Mm-hmm. um as I try to do math like during the show which is just <laughs> idiotic that comes down to 65. what do you have do you have like a 23 yarder is that the touchdowns is that the I think yeah, so, 23, right? yep okay that's 42. um okay 14 for 42 is what three yards per carry
1: yeah three right right on the nose so what are people going to say about the offensive line
0: well well just l- let's just look at that there Chris 14 for 42 is not a very good day. But when you trade up for Jonathan Taylor in the second round, the Colts mm-hmm. said, this is not Christian McCaffrey, this is not Alvin Kamara. This is a guy that we feel like will get will turn 8 into 38, 12 into 42. That hasn't been there. That was there on Sunday. So, it wasn't just some grand day rushing the football where, you know, 7, 8, 9 yards you know, series in, series out. But you hit on a couple chunks, and I thought that was massive. Um, I thought Chris Reed did a really good job in there for for Quentin Nelson. Um, obviously, the, the touchdown run came off that left side, and I I think the other one came off a little bit more of a perimeter run, the other big one there. Um, but, yeah, really good day for the rushing offense. The whole usage of the running backs, a little head-scratching, we'll get into that, I think, during Twitter questions. Um, but job well done by JT in breaking those and I, I loved you know Frank Reich, we've been clamoring for the two back personnel grouping. I think you maybe tweeted at it uh, about it on Sunday, Chris. You watched that first touchdown 21, 28 in the backfield. I, I'm my w- mouth was watering seeing that. I'm like, what are you gonna do? what you know, how are you going to make this disguise and then hit on it? Hines in motion, right? The Colts have run the quick hitter behind so often this season. To that right, boom! I think Jerome Baker might have left the middle of the field for a second. All of a sudden, JT gets a little handoff down the left side, and he's in the open field and blocked beautifully um, to that point. So, you know, watching some of the big runs, I'm thinking a little bit of frustration back to last week and not committing to it. But, um, yeah, good work in, in the run game, and I just thought the support in general helped out your your quarterback.
1: Kevin, it wasn't only me who tweeted at you. Um, there was a lot of people who tweeted at you because they knew, they understood your thought process of having the two to the two run back set. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, like, you and, got, and, and they, and it works well. Like why, why stay away from it? Yeah, it's confusing to me just
0: because I I really respect Frank's mind and. In- being creative offensively, I, I I do. I know a lot of people are against Frank, but um, I respect that. Um, there's some personnel usage and just some game flow stuff. I thought the clock management at the end of the first half was awful and, and could have been costly. And that that's what you worry about against better teams. Like you do that Monday night against the Ravens, yeah. you won't get the gifts that Miami was handing out on Sunday. Um, when your tight ends are like this right now, Chris, and like we'll get to Mo Ali Cox, but you know, Mo is not gonna be. Or he's not, I should say, you know, 7 for 75 week in and week out. Like, that's just not his game. Wide receiver-wise right now, you know, Pittman, I think, is turning into a really solid player for you and can be a number one. But even that group is not just, like, crazy explosion. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, teams are fearing the Colts' wideouts. Like You're not there yet. Hines and Taylor can become a combination to where opposing defenses are like, oh, shit. They're both mm-hmm. in the game. Like, what are we doing here? So that's where you gotta tap into that a little bit more. And I just think you can do so much off of that. I mean, hell, Taylor's at fullback on a play against was it the Rams, Titans. I kind of forget which game it was now. And you got Heinz at the top of the eye. I still think some Wildcat stuff can be utilized, certainly. So um I'm glad it was because I just think now that and I think Frank does this. You know, what you show in September, October, you can then evolve over the course of the year when teams see stuff on film. Now you play with that. Okay. Now, can we set up some window dressing with that? You know, what's next to come out of that? I think plays like you saw on Sunday with those two in the game opens your mind to more of that.
1: Do you think Taylor's more of, um, kind of like an A.J. Dillon, like a thick running back?
0: Thick, yes. Um, which again, confusing to me why he wasn't your four minute back to end the game. But, um, thick, but he's quick. I, I don't know. Maybe that's He's an everyday on though. Yeah, I mean, that, there's some you know, rap lyric I'm sure I could have thrown in there when you're rhyming <laughs> thick and quick, but um, like open field, I mean, you watch him on that 38-yarder, I mean, he, he can Sprints. turn it up yeah. a couple gears there, so yeah, don't, A.J. Dillon, but what's A.J. Dillon running the 40? Is it me or him winning the 40-yard dash? I, I, I think Jonathan Taylor's 4-3, so um, yeah, I mean, this is This is a weapon that
1: has to be utilized. So, luckily, coming off a win, again, we like talking about what we liked. First, what we don't like. Wentz taking chances. His angles look pretty good. Like, Wentz looked pretty good yesterday, I would say.
0: Yeah, I thought, honestly, Chris, I didn't think it walking away from the game, but the more I looked into it, I test, I don't think. Think I felt this way, but you look into the numbers; it's really one of the more efficient, productive games of Wentz's career, which might be more of an indictment on how he's played quarterback in yeah. recent years. But still, like you're 75%, and you're over seven yards per attempt. That's consistently moving the ball through the air, and it's taking enough chances. And I really liked how we took the chances down the field late. Uh, the Alley Cox jump ball. I don't know why that's not finally thrown one time a game. You know, I, I get it. Fade passes have a low percentage. But more like Cox is 6'7", 260, whatever he is, Chris. DBs are going to start to panic. They're going to get grabbed. That was really good coverage by Eric yeah. Rowe. Like, what, really and, good coverage. Yes. I don't know. And Eric Rowe's six one two hundred. So, you throw that ball in goal to go every single game. Just see what you have there. Um, I thought... <laughs> The ball he threw to Doyle later in the game, that was strictly 500 in the backyard ball. That was like praying for <laughs> penalty, or maybe Doyle's going to come down with it. And then obviously the play to Pittman um, to ice it. you probably should have taken a, snack, a sack, you know maybe scramble there. Right. But he throws it to Pittman, and you're able to ice it. like Those are plays, Chris, that quarterbacks need to make in the fourth quarter to finish off games. Last night, fourth and two. Chargers leaking oil. Raiders are coming back. And Justin Herbert shows why he's honestly a top-ten quarterback in the league right now. Yeah. Um, Your guys have got to make plays. And those three, a bit off-script to them. And I don't know about maybe as off-script isn't the right word or phrase to use, but just take a bleeping chance. Right. And we're four games into this season. I think the vertical passing game still needs a little bit more. There, and some of that's O-line driven, certainly. But Carson Wentz has thrown one pick. It's on a shovel pass, and I can't name you two or three other balls that should have been picked off. Like, he is protecting the ball extremely well. Um So, yeah, you factor in all those things, Chris. 75%, over seven yards per pass attempt. Protected it well, yet found the balance to still hit on a few down the field. And he just flat out looks so much healthier. You know, the, um, you can point to kind of the read option. He kept it backed up on on, on the own goal line. Uh, he spun out of one and threw a pass. Uh, one of the plays, clearly, they just felt comfortable utilizing him was fourth quarter, early in the fourth, slow developing play action, pass deep crosser for like 40, 41, something right. like that. You, you don't call that play last week. But he's healthy. Healthier practicing all three times last week. Just the fact that you felt comfortable running the QB sneak, I thought was a good indicator of what they felt in him health wise as well. So um I mean
1: you're you're you you watch the broadcasts. You like is he healthy?
0: He um eighty five. Eighty okay. five percent. You know, it wasn't there were still times I don't think he fully opened up. And and ran on the, on the scramble. I'm I'm thinking of you know, Jalen Phillips, who just had his way with Eric Fisher a few Which times from the backside. A lot of
1: people thought the Colts might draft. Yeah, Jalen, Jalen Phillips, Phillips yeah.
0: certainly a guy you know out of out of the U. Um, you know, he made a few plays where it was like, whoa, you know, could could Wentz have you know gotten away? Obviously, I think Wentz held on to it a little bit too long on one of those sacks there, but um, he just he looked much much healthier. The playbook looked open. Um, you know, I, I wrote after the game, I, I just think there's intrigue. And obviously, you take into consideration the opponent, but Miami's defense is not Miami's offense. Like, there's some guys on that yeah. side of the ball that are pretty good football players. And Brian Flores obviously disguises things, you know, really well. Baltimore's going to be a tough challenge. A little, a little different, I think more in the front seven with Baltimore, although Marlon Humphrey is a really good player. Um, but good work from, from Carson Wentz. Again, Chris, you're four weeks into this, and he's protected the ball really well. Um, The vertical passing game, again, isn't to the level that I think it can get to, but it's still shown decent signs. Um, Yeah, uh, good work by him and and made plays in the fourth quarter that you're going to have to turn to at some point in more game-like one-possession situations.
1: Right. All right, so we're going to jump to things that you didn't like. Obviously, we went through a lot of things you did like. Yeah. Thank God we finally have a lot of things that you did like. Right, we do. We got a lot, man things that you didn't like the slow start i mean there was a a, a muff punt by naheem who normally is sure handed yeah um we just didn't get started very early in the, the first quarter second quarter was way better and then they just transitioned that all the way through the rest of the rest of the game
0: yeah you know the colts have scored 3 points in the first quarter all year um, and that was the opening drive of the season, you know, Seattle drive. So, yeah, it's been really tough sledding. Um, And and when you think about it, Chris, it was that offsides penalty that gifted the Colts the first chance, really, because they punted in five plays on the opening drive. Mm -hmm. They punted in five plays on the second drive. And then you were getting ready to punt again on your third drive. And that's where you um, got the offsides penalty and were cashing in from there. So just a sluggish start. I thought the tackling was very poor early. I know it didn't cost you because Miami just doesn't throw the ball down the field. Um, But I I thought the tackling was a little bit poor. So, I point this out because, you know, unfortunately the schedule is not the Miami Dolphins week in and week out. So, um, especially on the road, you can't really do that and get away with it on a routine basis. So, that's why I wanted to throw that in there.
1: Yes. so what do you think about the way the Colts tackled? I mean, we talk about Brissett. yeah, and a lot of people have asked us questions about should we have Brissett back? Should we not? He escaped, but our, our our front four actually looked pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, I thought um, I thought the tackling got better as the game moved along, but that pass rush, you know, Al-Qadim Muhammad had a big rush. Uh, Tyquan Lewis had that tackle for loss as well. You know. The young rushers, I I have worried about them, and I think for good reason. But without pay, I thought they did a really nice job. Now, Miami's offensive line is Mm -hmm. god-awful, but still, um, good work by them. Got into more, I thought, some passing situations, too. We haven't created enough of those in early weeks. But, um, yeah, yeah, I I thought that the tackling in general has just been a little bit suspect for a team that I think usually tackles fairly well.
1: We're going to jump into Twitter questions. The first one comes from John. If Michael Pittman keeps up the pace, he's looking to have 1,200 yards receiving on the season. Do you think this pace will go up or down um, based on the return of T.Y. Hilton?
0: Uh, who is that from?
1: That was from John.
0: Okay, John. Um, yeah, I think when you look at Pittman right now, um, he needs to be in the same range target-wise. You know, I think you kind of take away from others and not Pittman it, when Hilton comes back. Um, Again, I I don't get the whole Hines four touches in the same amount of snaps as Marlon Mack on Sunday. Mack gets 12 touches. Like, Mm -hmm. that is just, yeah. What are we doing here? But um, Hilton should be involved. He will be involved, but I think you pinch elsewhere. I I don't know if that means, uh, you know, you're taking away a little bit of running back action. Do you take away a little bit of a dueling touch here or something like that? Like, pinch from others. I, I don't want to pinch from Michael Pittman.
1: I think Pittman's a dog.
0: Yeah, I I think there's there's a very great baseline for where he's at right now, which is a high floor. But I still think there's more to tap into, which I think should have Colts fans uh,
1: excited. It's kind of it's kind of weird because even though he's listed the number one receiver, the way that he pushes the pile as they go forward. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean. mean the like dude. Pittman, Pittman is Pittman is a dog.
0: The dude's physical. The dude is physical. Um, yeah. I mean, you, and
1: we've not had that kind of re- wide receiver here. Like, when's the last one that you've thought of?
0: Yeah, true physical presence, like ball yeah. in the hand. You don't want to tackle that right. guy. And the Colts, you watch them. You'll know, throw some routes to Pittman. They throw a lot of underneath stuff, hoping he can, you know, break that tackle and make that play. And you guys have heard me say it a thousand times. There is no USC pretty boy in no. Michael Pittman. His fashion. Might be good, and I'm sure it is. I don't i do not pretend to know it, but um, <laughs> that dude plays mean.
1: This one comes from Jake. Was this more of a Dolphins' bad loss or a Colts' good win?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I kind of go back to my earlier point. Like, did the Titans do what the Colts did on Sunday? So, yeah, I, I understand the question, but you'd feel a lot worse if it was 0-4 and Jacoby Brissette just beating you. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Watching that game, it had the feel of two subpar teams for long stretches. Um, you know, you when you look at the 27 points the Colts scored, you can literally point to a massive mistake by the Dolphins. Um, I thought it was a horrible call, the Jalen Phillips face mask penalty um, near the uh, near the goal line. I think Phillips had another offsides penalty that obviously was costly as well. Both teams muffed a punt, um, so those kind of cancel each other out. But I think, Jake, how you have to look at it is, can the Colts take what Wentz did, what Turay did, and can that build? Can that build? You know, NFL seasons evolve. Evolve so much. You know, Go look at the standings from any year after the first four games of the season. And it's crazy how you see teams have ebbs and flows here. Um, and now, do you have a chance with a schedule? Because it is much, much less daunting than it was earlier Uh, than than how you started. Uh, I will say this. The defense, we've been down this road. So I'm not going to be fooled by what we saw on Sunday and think, oh, that's the defense you're going to see moving forward. No, no, no. you got to prove it against better quarterbacks. You don't see a lot of great quarterbacks coming up. Kind of got to wait until late November. um, Probably to string a couple together. And, you know, Josh Allen and um, Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, back-to-back weeks. You lead into a December where it's Kyler Murray and Derek Carr. So, um, But
1: still, uh,
0: some things that you're just like, all right, Intrigued, now do it against varsity.
1: How many uniforms are better than the old school Miami Dolphins?
0: Uh, what the Chargers wore last night, but not many. I love the Dolphins uniforms. I, I did feel bad for uh, Commissioner Goodell in the um, in the building. Not often you see two muff punts with the commissioners in there. Do you think the Ross family? had him there because they're saying we're trading for deshaun watson how long will he be suspended or is that a crazy thought of mine like why the hell is goodell going to colt's dolphins
1: i mean it's miami why wouldn't you it's a a vacation spot why wouldn't you go to miami
0: i'm saving the miami trip for december man i'm not i'm not wasting that in late september early october so you
1: think deshaun's going there
0: well, I mean, I don't know. Glazer, Jay, Jay, Jay Glazer seems to be on it.
1: I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Oh, this no. one comes from Matt. What is going on with Jack Doyle?
0: Yeah, you know, he had, that, uh, he had that back injury last week. Only was limited on Friday. It is weird, though, to see a guy dressing in a game, Chris, who usually plays a good amount of snaps and doesn't play early on. Kind of emergency situation. Then he got in the game and made a couple plays for you. So um You know, I I think to Doyle, so, so durable for the vast majority of his career. And now just any 31-year-old that's played in the league and plays as physical of a position as he does as a true inline blocker, I think it's just catching up to him. And that's why you need Mo'Ally Cox to give you more. You need Kylan Granson to start to take some steps. He had his first NFL catch on Sunday. Um, Jack still brings a very important role for you. Um, His blocking hasn't been, I think, as good as it is can be early on in the season uh, but you you just you need those three tight ends to all be reliable for you right. this season.
1: And that's why we that's why we drafted Kylan, right? Yeah, I you mean, know,
0: complementary role, obviously different skill set, but yeah, yeah, that is that is part of it.
1: This, this one comes from Mitch. What do you think about Fisher's health? Phillips was abusing him early on in the day and he didn't look much better last week.
0: Yeah, I you know, Eric Fisher talked last week to the media about the final 10%. Uh, that's difficult for him to kind of – well, what he's heard, I guess, in Achilles rehabs is that's the toughest part of just getting that explosiveness and getting that quickness. You know, he's just past the nine-month mark, so I, I'm not going to, like, scold the guy and be like, Eric Fisher's never going to get back. But right now, th- that play is not at the level that you needed a left tackle at all. You know, mm-hmm. so, right. um, yes, it's been multiple weeks in a row – And I don't know. Is this something he's got to live with until he gets healthier? Um, We'll see. But, yeah, right now him and Rhodes, two 30-year-old guys, I'm kind of like, hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Eh. Rhodes, man, Jeez, That (laughs) that looked Rocky seen last year like. Yeah. You know, that was kind of, oof. that was ugly.
1: This question comes from Jay. He wants to know what your thoughts are on Mark Luzinski taking over Quentin Nelson's spot. Uh, Chris Chris Reed Taking over Or sorry, Chris Reed yeah. Taking over uh, Golinski's spot After Q comes back Yeah Feels like there's a starter caliber On this line While Golinski has Not been very good so far
0: Yeah Um you know, I don't, think, I don't know if Chris Reed has a ton of right guard history, so I'd probably have to look into that a little bit more. But, you know, I think Reed's played very well. And I threw this question at Joel Erickson this morning on the Fan Morning Show. It's probably more of a debate for the offseason.
1: Mm-hmm. But when
0: you watch Chris Reed in the lineup, Chris, it's kind of like, boy, does this make you think twice about giving Nelson that type of money? Now, I thought Joel came back with a great point. He goes, I'd feel better if you had a Quentin Nelson-like player at left tackle. So maybe you don't feel the need necessarily to do that. But, again, those are for debates way down the road there. Uh, it's something I look into, Jay. I think it's a really good point, but I don't. I don't see the Colts doing it. I, I just knowing how the Colts operate, I, I don't think they would do that. Um, and then Danny Pinter is always kind of an interesting name to me of just yeah. where exactly he fits into this puzzle.
1: Yeah. This one comes from because from Chris. What will it take to finish the game strongly? I enjoy the win, but letting Miami march down the field and their last possession is unacceptable.
0: Yeah, you know, just it seems like the Colts more than. I don't know. Maybe other teams do this too. Feels like the Colts just let teams score so easily in those situations. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm I watch the Colts so much. Maybe I'm only seeing the Colts. But like, gosh, you got to think those are such obvious pass rush situations. Mm-hmm. Like those should be dial it up and let's go. You know, ninety eight, ninety three, end the game. Um, and you had to have. I mean, like, if Wentz and Ali Cox don't hook up for that touchdown, that was a third and. Goal? Maybe it was a third down. Let's say that ball goes incomplete. Hot Rod comes and kicks it. And Miami goes down and scores. All of a sudden, it's 23-17. And there's just real game pressure on the line at that point. Still, a lot of things have to go against you to lose. But, um, yeah, I I just – it's definitely a hair vanilla for my liking there. And I point back to stuff you can get away with against, you know, teams that are Miami, but you don't want to flirt with that too much.
1: Next one's from Conroy. Do you think the offensive red zone, red zone struggles and scoring are more indicative of Sirianni being gone now with the Eagles, or granted that we have a different quarterback and an offensive coordinator rather than Sirianni?
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't want to like undermine what Nick Sirianni did here, but I don't think it's too much of that. Um, you know, Frank obviously is handling things and and. Is the play caller? I think a little bit is probably you know a new quarterback and some misuse of personnel. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I am undermining what Nick Sirianni's role was here, but I'd like to think that Frank Reich knows what he's doing, and and you know a loss of Nick Sirianni is not the reason why the Colts are 30th in red zone and 32nd in goal to go right now.
1: Kev, personally, have you watched any of the uh, Philadelphia games and seen a, a, a difference in what Sirianni's calling there? You know, or... I,
0: I watched the Monday-nighter. Um, sounds like I missed a great one, them in Kansas City this past week. Because
1: Devontae's played pretty well, at, yeah. l- at least yesterday.
0: Yeah, um, I would say the one thing I noticed on that Monday-nighter was Frank Reich abandoned the run on Sunday, and Nick Sirianni said, watch this, Frank. I'm yep. only going to give Miles Sanders and whoever else the running back is three carries the whole game. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I haven't, but I I would be lying if I said to you I've watched the Eagles much.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird how they, they've abandoned the run. I think Gainwell's the other uh running back. I had someone DM me on Twitter. Three runs. Three yeah. entire runs.
0: I'm like, what? You know, and Jalen Hurts is getting his
1: ass kicked and yeah,
0: yeah. And now, you know, Dallas looks like the unquestioned favorite in that division.
1: <laughs> what a division that is. Hmm. This is from Kate Isle. Why is Mac getting touches?
0: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it at all. I, I don't. Maybe Hines got banged up in that game. You know, at one point it looked like he was kind of favoring something after the punt, but you know, both of them got 22 snaps, so even amount. And Mac 11 or 12 touches, I think. Maybe it was 11, and Hines four. Like. What, what I mean, if Hines got benched for that muff, like then we got bigger issues here mm-hmm. because he's too valuable of a weapon to just outright bench him like that. The whole trade value thing, I'm like, wait, what? Like, if you're playing him to try and increase trade value in a way, you're like borderline tanking. You're you're playing worse players to try and increase value for a draft pick for next April, and I don't think playing Marlon Mack is all of a sudden going to just Exponentially increases trade value. Like I don't.
1: Well, well, I mean, you guys brought that up this morning on the on the morning show.
0: Yeah, it just I don't. You know, Marlon Mack's at two and a half yards per carry right now, and I am Hines at three point nine. Like Hines needs to get more touches. I don't. It's um. It's confusing to me. Like Marlon Mack has gone from not playing to whatever how many carries he had in week two, average mm-hmm. like three yards per carry. Didn't play in week three, and then played again in week four. I'm like. Taylor and Hines can handle can handle the load. The four-minute offense thing at the end was like really – it almost had a senior day feel to it. Like, you know, here come comes – calling Marlon Max a, a walk-on is just a slap in the face, so I, I, I won't go there. But, like, you know, the just the senior day scholarship guy feel to it of like, wait a minute, you traded up for Jonathan Taylor. The man is averaging more than six yards per carry, has not had fumbling issues at all in the NFL. Mm-hmm is clearly wearing down Miami's defense, and you don't feel comfortable him at four-minute offense to ice the game? Like, what? I I don't... Yeah, that one was just... I don't get it at all, man.
1: So does he keep playing?
0: Oh, shit. If you want to go every other game, every other game he's not played, so maybe this will be the game where he doesn't play. I mean, I'd assume you just gave him 11 touches. I assume that's going to continue, but if I were running the show... It would not. I think Taylor and Matt, and look, some of it, you know, the offensive line is not giving Mac favorable situations. But, like, you watch the first Mac carry from Sunday. I believe it was the first one. He kind of gets to the perimeter and gets run down by a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think Taylor and Hines get run down that easily. It, it just, I feel bad for him. But torn Achilles and, yeah, the whole playing in for trade value, just, boy, I can't. It'd be like, it's like Madden franchise video game. Stuff not so without without, Chris without Frank, Reich Without Twitter
1: questions, what do you think we get for a Mac?
0: You got anything more than a sixth, and you order Donato's because I love Donato's and you celebrate.
1: You think that's it?
0: Yeah, you know, someone has mentioned to me a few times on in my DMs, like, could you trade a seventh and Mac for a fifth? Sign me up. Wow. It's just running backs, man. They are deep valued I know, I know. like none other. I I don't think I mentioned this on last week last week's pod because the max stuff kind of developed afterwards. Uh last five years, Chris, running backs traded for day one or day two picks. There's been eleven trades. It's happened one time. The GM that made that move is the one and only William O'Brien. Like <laughs> it's just it. You're hoping a team is desperate, and no one in the NFL views running backs as a desperate position anymore. I mean, we saw it two years ago with the Colts. Marlon Mack gets hurt, and here comes Jonathan Williams off the practice squad, back-to-back 100-yard games. Like, it's just, you know, Baltimore, San Francisco, seemingly they're these teams on the schedule. I just, unless a team, unless, like, the Titans lose Derrick Henry, which, again, would you do that in your division? Like, I I just, and and team, uh, you know, fans throw at me, like, what about the Jets? I mean the Jets are one and three. Are, are they giving up valuable draft capital? for Yeah. yeah. You know, Marlon Mack. I, I just, I can't see it. And if for some reason I'm wrong, then the Colts are great for pulling that off.
1: This question came from Jason prior to the Dolphins game. While I understand the injury list is long, it seems the fans freak out anytime a starter is out and the sky is falling. Do the Colts not have a quality depth? We've thought they would have routinely overact.
0: Yeah, you know, part of me is just like fans are used to the Colts' injury history, so that's why the freak out is more extreme. And then also it's like, again, I assume that fan bases would freak out all around the NFL um, if, you know, you saw the Wednesday-Thursday injury reports mm-hmm. that, that the Colts have. You know, it's weird. The, the, the Dolphins were incredibly healthy. I think they lost their center last week coming into the game, but they were really healthy on their injury report. Uh, the Titans the week before were not. They were really banged up. And then, obviously, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones like barely even played right. in the game. And then the Rams, the week prior to that, they were incredibly healthy. So, um, you know, it's the age-old injury question, but I would say, Jason, just, it more so has to do with the Colts' injury history of, like, here we go again. And, honestly, Chris, I know we don't have, like, not everybody that listens to this podcast is also a Pacers fan, but I would say the Pacers' injury history. And if you're, like, a local fan that yeah. you – Feel double whammy, you know, with, with, with that as well.
1: This one comes from Chris. He's wondering about the uh, Kamoko Turi and Ben Banagoo. Will they be better pass rushers, especially going through Robert Mathis? Um, wondering about the 5 to 10 snaps a game. How are they supposed to have success in such limited snaps? Cheers. Cheers, Chris. We appreciate that.
0: Yeah, thank you, Chris. Appreciate you sending that in. we really got a lot of Chris questions today. Um, it's a good point, but the reason why Kamoko Turi and Ben Banigu don't play more is because they're not good on rundowns. That's why.
1: So, they're going to be very situational. You know it's going to be third down, pass. Yep. yep, yep. You know,
0: second alongs, you know, things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. passing situations, exactly what you said there. So, and the Colts haven't done a good enough job, I think, of getting teams into those situations. So, um, and you know what? Banigou played, I want to say, six snaps on Sunday without Pay. That's concerning, I think, for his you know, consistent run. Obviously, mm-hmm. Ture, you would think, deserves a little bit more uh, moving forward. But, yeah, um, they, they're a liability on rundowns is how the uh, team views
1: them. Right. Question for Jason. What role do you, what role do you see Dio Odangbo when he plays?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, obviously we seem to be a long ways away from that, but I think they believe left side defensive end, early downs, slide inside on the pass downs. Um gosh, man, you just see his presence at practice physically and you're like, that dude is huge. And I am so intrigued because Chris Ballard loves him. And that has me intrigued. And obviously it's a position that could use some bowl strength. So um we'll see. You know, can't what, can't play for eight weeks? Is that I think that's it. Yeah. I think practice in six weeks. Hell, we're coming up to the practice point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the earliest we should expect him is November-ish.
1: So you, you see him and Quiddy? Opposite. Opposite side Early downs. Yeah. Uh,
0: but not not right away, obviously. This is more down the road. Um, and then eventually I think he slides inside on passing downs.
1: Okay. MCM 24, I'm going to the Colt games versus the Niners in San Francisco. Nice. Last Thursday I Bob was Andrew Lup. Obviously, can't wear that to the game. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Bay Area, maybe. I mean, maybe. My plan is to see which player balled out early in this year to buy that jersey. If you were me, whose jersey would you buy?
0: Mm,
1: Okay. Um,
0: Well, I, I don't think you can go wrong with a Jonathan Taylor. Right. Don't think you can go wrong. I've said it before. I'd love for a Jonathan Taylor to marry my daughter. You know, I, 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 maybe I'm speaking too highly of him. And, you know, all of a sudden, some he's going to get married and an Urban Meyer video is going to come out. And now oh we're going to be, you know, rattled there.
1: Urban's done.
0: Yeah. Jeez. I, I don't I think I said that Urban would succeed in the NFL. And I'm starting to question my brain. Um, who else? I don't know. Chris, you got any ideas for Jer- Pittman? I, I think Pittman's a good jersey choice.
1: You can go Pittman, especially out, out west. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: did his, did his dad play for the 49ers? I don't know. I feel like he played for a, maybe it was a buck, some picture in that jersey.
1: Here's the thing. Just look up whoever we just gave a five-year contract to because they ain't going anywhere. So yeah. you might as well, you can Brent wear it.
0: Smith? I, I guess he's not healthy, but I don't know.
1: I would go, I would go Pittman or Taylor.
0: Nice. Yeah. I'm Those good there and enjoyed. I've heard uh, my brother-in-law has been to that stadium says absolutely beautiful and I don't Oh, know, Santa Clara.
1: It's beautiful. Jimmy G so
0: beautiful. Or Trey Lance, not 100% sure on that a little injury situation there, but Yeah, yeah. it's a,
1: it's a great stadium. Have you been there? I've not, but my brother actually got on the field a couple Ooh. weeks a couple years ago. Cool. Yeah, yeah
0: obviously we saw a Super Bowl there. So yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun to see the Colts in uh primetime.
1: So this one comes from Sam. I noticed a few times throughout the game that divorce Buckner lined up at the defensive end. Was that part of the game plan, or is there something we should start to see more in the future?
0: Yeah, I think you know, I think the Colts do a nice job of this, at least strategically trying to say, all right, let's look at the pros and cons of each individual offensive lineman, mm-hmm. and over the course of the game, let's change up how we line up. Uh, now stunts, I think, play into that. Yep. And like, if you look at their tackles and you think they're weak with power. Well, six eight two ninety engaging you in power, I think is a smart idea there. So I think a lot of it plays into that. Um, you know, okay, who's the bull rush guy? Who's the spin move guy? Can you get some power to speed? So I think that is part of it. Sam, I'm willing to guess that when you watch that, it was mostly passing downs. That's probably my guess there.
1: Okay. Two more questions. This one comes from Craig. Hey, Kevin, nice to see the win. Curious your thoughts on the run game. It was the best performance of the season, and we had three starters out on the offensive line. Is it more that the Miami D is not any good, or our makeshift line is starting to actually gel a bit?
0: Well, it's just two starters out, right? Nelson and Braden? I don't think it was three. Um, obviously, you played a couple of guys at right, right tackle. Right. Julian Davenport and Matt Pryor over there. Um, what's Mark Pryor doing these days, you think? <laughs> he had a little run there for the Cubs.
1: Um, he's the pitching coach. I think oh, of the right. Dodgers. No, it's either Dodgers or Padres. Dodgers. Yeah,
0: yeah. The Padres fired what is his name? Rothschild. I, I oh, know. Yeah, you're right. So I know it, very it, little it, about baseball. Yes, yeah, so
1: Mark Pryor now. is the uh, pitching coach of the. Good pod, luck to uh, your Braves, by the way. Thank you.
0: Um, I did not say that last time, last year in the playoffs, <laughs> but I will, uh, say it. I don't know if I mean it, but I, I said it. Um, okay. Um, I, I don't know about the gelling. To be honest, I, I. I kind of go back to what I said earlier, Chris. It was really two big runs. Now, I think Miami's front's decent. Um, but, you know, I also sit here and think that's kind of part of the run game. Like, it's not all going to be, you know, five, six-yard gains throughout the game. It is kind of can you hit on a chunk or two when you have it. So, yeah, better from from the rushing offense. I probably, I probably put a little bit more into stock in what they did than some of the other facets of the game that we talked about. But, you know, the front you're going to see Monday. You know, Baltimore, to me, Chris, is one of the more well-respected franchises in their culture, Mm -hmm. maintaining over the course of, you know, really generations, and NFL generations obviously are a lot different than other generations, and also I think they've drafted historically well despite being late in drafts, which I think is another thing that they should be commended for. I know their playoff runs maybe haven't been as deep as you would like, but still, they've got a lot of, throwing a lot of darts at the board, which we talk about a whole lot here.
1: We're going to stay there with Baltimore. Jeremy wants to know, is it just him, or does it look like incredibly difficult for our offense to move the ball up and down the field? He feels like in years past, our offense would move up and down the field easily. Doesn't feel like that this year. Loves the work that you do on the podcast.
0: Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate that, and thank you to everybody for sending in questions on a weekly basis. I I think when your O-line has some inconsistencies, Chris, Mm -hmm. this is life. Like, you watch Notre Dame. Play football right now and it is a freaking grind to do anything in the run game In the past game you're just like all right let's hope three of the five hold up in protection and the other two defensive ends like trip and fall like, i mean that that's where you're at right now and like i go back to like 10 play 80 yard drives in the nfl are freaking hard yeah they're hard it's why you gotta hit on chunks you gotta hit on them like you got to cash in, got to find short fields. You got to hit on some big plays as well to try and alleviate that constant four yards in a cloud of dust. But I I would just say in general, it's the O-line inconsistency. Okay. Yeah. Is that rapid? That's it. Cool. Again, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for sending in questions. Fan morning show every morning, 7 to 10 a.m. right here. Feel free to message me or tweet at me if you guys are looking for the podcast there or anything On that front. He's Chris Presley. His volunteer scored 100 last week. I bet against them. (laughs) Chris Presley got the last laugh there as well as I'm sure he was very much cheering against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish even though he was in a wedding. With a fighting Irish person, and just Chris, that's not good karma if you believe in karma. I do not, but I I want to believe it in, in this instance. I was
1: cheering for you. I bet I bet on the Irish.
0: Well, that's a monetary cheer, not a not a heart cheer, which <laughs> is what we, we we really need right now as we travel to Blacksburg on Saturday night. Uh, he's Chris Pres Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll see you next Tuesday, recapping Monday Night Football. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.